Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. I'm Michael Anderson. We've got a great show for you today. Banks Pact is in studio from Banks Coaching. And as always, we hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, 805-487-7847. Well, I'm very pleased to have Banks Pecht in studio today. Banks is an all-star coach, and I say that because she is just fantastic. So she does coaching for people that are doing well and want to do better, and a lot of people don't really know what coaching is, but we've had her on the program before. I brought her back to talk more about coaching, more about some specific areas and examples and scenarios that I wanted to dive a little deeper on. Banks, thanks for coming in today. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's, it's awesome. I really enjoyed having you in last time, and I wanted to have you back. The first thing I want to just touch on is for people that don't know, that are listening, saying, you know what, what is coaching? I hear a lot about that nowadays, but I think of sports teams, or I think of, I'm not on a sports team. Why would I want to coach? Or what is coaching? So let me put I'm that I'm happy to, to dive into that, Mike. So I am the owner, founder, and CEO of Banks Coaching, and I have a private practice that is national, and I work with individuals and businesses that are really looking to optimize their success. And that can show up in a variety of areas. In terms of what coaching is, it really is a relationship between two equal partners to help identify goals and execute on them. So I like to say I help successful people be more successful, and that's not necessarily necessarily monetary. And in fact, for a lot of people, monetary success is not what they're looking for. They may have reached an inflection point in their life or career where they are wanting to take a step back and have a strategic partner who asks good questions, that's me, to help them identify what success really looks like for them. And so in my individual practice, we do a lot of work around identifying what the end game is. I like to say, you know, how can you get there if there's no there there? You know, then you're just building a ship and sailing off the edge of the planet. Mm -hmm. But we wanna know where we're trying to go. So I spend quite a bit of time with my clients really trying to understand who they are and what they're looking to accomplish. And then what resources do they have? What resources do they need? Identifying those and then putting a plan in place and being their accountability partner to help them get to this end point that they've defined. So. Again, I like to say I'm like Vidal Sassoon, like if you don't look good, I don't look good. If you're not successful, I'm not successful. And it's so incredibly rewarding to see my clients fly that it's absolutely what gets me out of bed in the morning. I think that's great. I think it does kind of highlight for people that are wondering kind of what it is. It's like, okay, so it's it's you're helping me optimize. You're helping me, you know, work more efficiently or work smarter or get better results or just you know, you're asking some of the questions that I may already have in my head, but they're validating that I should be asking and answering those questions. Absolutely. And it's very customized. It's not a one one size fits all approach. So when people say, what do you do or what's your package or what do you offer? I say it really depends on who you are and what you bring to the table in our working relationship together. So my job is really to be your fiercest advocate. So to look at the totality of what's going on in your situation as a potential client and say, what are your values, you know, what are you looking to accomplish, how do all of these pieces work together, what puzzle pieces are working, and what puzzle pieces do we need to fit in to get the complete picture. 
I think that's great. And one area I want to talk about today, and I know this has been an area that some people come to you mm -hmm. when they're thinking about getting a new job yep. or they're hunting for a new job, but they still have the job. And there's areas that are sometimes stressful when you're going through that process where you're wondering, you know, it's unknown what the outcome is going to be. Absolutely. So you're just not sure how to navigate that. How do you work with people going through that? Oh, gosh, that's one of my favorite parts of my practice, Mike. I have a niche practice working with people who've been laid off recently, and I liken it to the divorce you didn't ask for but could end up being the best thing that ever happened to you, right? So you're in this new space that's unfamiliar. Maybe it feels scary. Maybe you even feel a little bit insecure about it or maybe a little bit rejected, even if that wasn't the circumstances of the layoff, it doesn't feel good, right? So to be able to come in when we're not feeling that we're at the apex of our A game and really drop in with my clients and say, look at how amazing you are and look at what skills you have and what you bring to the table. Let's take this space to really intentionally look at what you want to create. You've been given this opportunity, hopefully with some kind of severance so you have some time, but even if not, what, where is it you want to go? What's the job that you want? You know, at really at its, at its crux, there are four words that encompass my work entirely. And I, I like to say it's simple, but it's not easy. What do you want? And many of us don't take time to think about that. So when I'm working with my clients in transition, which many of my clients are at various points in their career, whether it's a layoff or something else, what do you want in this next phase and then ultimately? And let's really look at that and really nail it down. And that changes over time. So right now, what do you want? And I work with my clients who have been laid off to first start to look at that. And it may be what they had, and it may be something completely different. And then we look at a lot of different techniques and strategies, uh, resume building, interviewing, networking. We do a lot of work around negotiating. And then Let's, one, can I yeah. say one thing that I'd really like to emphasize is what a lot of people don't think about is their personal brand. So I do a lot of work with my clients around their personal brand and what differentiates them from the marketplace so that they can articulate that in their resume, in their social media presence, and then especially once they get the interview to say, why should you hire me rather than the other 24 people waiting in your front office? Let's say someone takes the question you ask and saying, what do you want? And a lot of times people, I can imagine, would say, well, I don't know. Yep. I just want something better than what I had, or Absolutely. I just want what at least what I've had with these things. Mm -hmm. And it's this extremely wide scope of what they want. How, how do you help them? Where do you go with that answer? Oh, so many exciting places, Mike. That's the fun work. That's, you know, you can probably hear the smile in my voice. Like that's where I just get really excited. I say, great, we've got all this space to work in, right? So I might start with what's really working? What did you love about your last role? If we're talking professionally specifically, what did you love about it that you want to bring forward? And we might really take some time to look at that. You know, what would you like to move away from? Towards something new, away from. So we know what are some red flags that we can look at going forward to say this role may or may not be a good fit. Uh, what are you looking for in terms of culture? What do you want your day to look like? You know, how do you work? Are you more of an individual contributor or do you like to be in a team? We might do some emotional intelligence work to get a sense of how you show up on the planet. But most importantly, what I like to do, because these are huge questions, right? And they can get kind of overwhelming. If, and I've been there too, you know, what do I want? Gosh, I don't know, that's huge. Well, what do I want my day to look like? And that can be a really fun exploration 
with my clients to say, okay, do you want to be working from home? Do you want to be working in an office? Do you like to have time to walk your dog? Are you a triathlete? Do you like to have time to go home at lunch? All of these pieces of what do I want my day to look like from the time I wake up until I go to bed can be really instructive in terms of starting to think about, okay, as I'm starting to really drill down what I want right now, Here's the type of work I want to be doing. Here are the type of people I want to be working with. Here is what I want my day to look like. Then we can start looking at, okay, what resources do you already have in terms of your network to start asking questions and being curious about where that exists? And a lot of times my clients have gone in similar directions or completely different directions and found really rewarding work when we're really intentional about what it is they're looking to create for themselves. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, framework of how to navigate through mm -hmm. um, those. And I can see where having someone with you to help guide the process of understanding that better and, mm -hmm. and helping them to understand, because that is a very broad question that can you know, you can just get lost in it by yourself sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And I will say frequently, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is this. Does that mean X or Y? And the best answer sometimes I hear is no, it doesn't mean that. Okay, great. What does that mean? Like, let's, so really a, an essential part of my job is really facilitating clarity for my clients and being a strategic thought partner. And I, I laugh that I'm a recovering attorney. So I do have, I'm still licensed. I have an advanced degree in asking good questions and in negotiating and in problem solving. And I bring all of those skills forward with my clients to really focus that in on what are the issues at hand either professionally in their group. I do a lot of work with leading organizations in the country. So team building, creating successful teams, creating successful workplaces, relationships, um, and then in my individual practice as well. And it really is that strategic process of asking powerful questions and really spotting the issues. And I will have clients say, wow, I'd never thought of it that way before. Or, you know, you're really, yeah, that's it. And then I know that that's somewhere where we can go that hopefully we're we're starting to take this big amorphous blob of what do I want and starting to really think about is what I want, what I think I want, what I really want, or is it something that I've been told that I want or something that I've, one thing that I really like to think about is have I confused what I want with what I'm good at? And that's sometimes a really powerful question to ask too is, is this really what I want or is it just what I'm good at? Yeah, as you peel back different layers, mm -hmm. you know, there may be things that you didn't even know you need to address as you, as you get into it. Absolutely. I can see how that can be. It's exciting. <laughs> exciting. Super exciting. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> terrifying. Uh, I laugh that if you're, if you're equal parts exhilarated and terrified, you're exactly in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that goes through and you, they get the job now. At this point, is sometimes this level of engagement, does it stop or do you keep going? How do you typically work with people and how is that similar or different than... You know, some people might be thinking, well, this sounds like a therapist or a counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, is that the same or is it different? That's a great question. Coaching and therapy are on a similar spectrum, but they are very different. I am not trained as a therapist, and I'm very, very clear about that. The metaphor that I like to think about there is if you're driving a car and the car goes into a ditch and it breaks its axle, you're going to want a mechanic who can fix the car. That's your therapist, right? That's your therap therapists are so amazingly highly trained at how we work and go through so much school and testing and all of those wonderful pieces that thankfully, you know, so that we can trust that we can be safe with all of our healing. And so the therapist will come in and do the deeper healing work. And I'm a big fan of therapy. I work with therapists. I have, you know, 
like many people, been in therapy at various times, and I think it's a really useful tool. Um, now, having said that, what coaches do is very different. So if a therapist gets you from negative 10 to zero or breaks, you know, helps fix the axle, what a coach will do is take the whole car that is not, doesn't have a broken axle and will put a shoulder under the bumper, help you get out of the mud hole, help you figure out which road you want to take, restart the engine, and then help you with the signposts along the way. So similarly on the timeline, a coach would take you from zero to 10. So that's how coaching really assumes that in the relationship, there's not a psychotherapeutic aspect to the work that you're doing. There may be in other areas and that's fine. We're humans, we show up in a lot of different ways. But for the pieces that we're working on together, I assume a degree of mental flex, you know, mental and spiritual and emotional flexibility so that we're coming at it from a co-equal place. So I really am a partner rather than a healer, if that makes sense. I'm a facilitator. So that's the difference. I hope that that helps clarify that a yeah, little I bit. Think, I think it's important to understand that. I think that's nice to know that you're, you, you know, the difference between where you're starting and where you're trying to go mm -hmm. and what some, of those, uh, what some of those areas are. How does personality types come into play? How, you know, there are different types of people mm -hmm. that maybe approach these questions from a different angle. Absolutely. How do you navigate that and how do you work with people that may be approaching their questions they're as asking themselves differently? That's a great question. And I would be a pretty terrible coach if I had a one size fits all approach to people. So my job is to be flexible and to be responsive to what my client brings to the table. You, hypothetically speaking, if you were my client, I come into that relationship assuming that you have all of your own answers. My job is just to help you uncover them. So my client is the expert in the room. They're driving the bus. My job is just to help figure, help them get clarity around where they want to go and then help them achieve their success. So in adult learning, what we've, le what we've discovered and what we've learned, and this is true for children too, although particularly pronounced with adults, is that it's most powerful when it's self-directed. So if I have different personality types, which I do, every single person has a different personality type. You have a different background, you have your gender, you have your family, you have you know, your whole experience, socioeconomically, ethnically, racially, you name it. So all of us are bringing a full picture to the table. It's my job to be open and be curious and be mindful and be intentional and be present with you so that as I'm hearing, I'm an evidence-based coach. So as I hear evidence from you, I'm using all kinds of tools in my brain all the time to start to craft the questions that I'm gonna ask you. So if you come to me with maybe a fixed mindset in a certain area, I might say, well, what would happen if you thought about this from this perspective? Or, okay, we're thinking that this is a capital T truth. But in fact, this is just a fact that exists and there are certain emotions being attached to that fact. What if we parse those and we just let this fact exist? What are these emotions that you're attaching to that fact telling us about what's important to you, what your values are? Is there opportunity to see it from a different perspective? And sometimes that can really open up new pathways of thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's well said. Um, I definitely, yeah, as, as you go through that, I, I just think a lot of, you know, there's a great book I read, The Six Hats Thinking. Mm -hmm. and it talks about how different people approach di things differently. But black hat thinkers are people that always see the negative mm -hmm. and what the risk is before they'll look at the other areas of what, what's in front of them. Right. So they're always just analyzing it from that angle first. So I do a lot of work in emotional intelligence with teams. And I love that you brought up black hat thinking. There's you know the Enneagram. There are all kinds of different areas that – and I work with a particular – 
emotional intelligence tool that I like, and it's called the EQI, and it's the only level B psychometric EI tool out there to help assess emotion, your EQ, basically. And I use it a lot with individuals in terms of navigating our own personal and professional success, and I use it a lot with teams. And same idea with these six different types of thinking. It's important to be aware that we do show up on the planet differently, and parts of those are hardwired, but we can always have opportunities to be fluid in our thinking. And as a team leader, it's important for us to have all of those types of thinking thinkers on our team. So when I'm working with my teams with emotional intelligence and looking at all of the different intelligences and how we show up, there's confirmation bias that exists in any leadership, which is we're comfortable when we're surrounded by people who think the way we do. Does that create the best team or the best outcome? Probably not, because we're missing a whole way of approaching problem solving, right? So in terms of these different types of thinking, it's about respecting each other and understanding that there are different ways to approach problems and then being able to communicate effectively. So emotional intelligence is about awareness. It's about self-regulation. And then it's about influence. So first, it's about becoming aware about what type of a thinker you are using any type of tool that you choose. There are many out there. Then it's about being able to self-regulate and be mindful and say, okay, I know that this is how I am. That doesn't say, okay, great, put a lid on the box, we're done, everyone should think like me. It's, I know this is how I show up in the world. So I need to honor that and also be aware that there are other perspectives. And then influence is how do we communicate with each other and allow all of these different points of view to be heard so that as a total group, as in leadership and an organization, we can create the best outcome. So it really is about awareness and about creating, just allowing for people to have different points of view and then using those tools to issue spot and get the best outcome. I think you're so right. I mean, that is, you see that in some of the high performing best teams that they're using a, a methodology that kind of fulfills what you're describing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so important in teams. and. Uh, you know, for myself, I've been in groups and teams where it was so obvious that this wasn't taking place mm -hmm. and there were missed opportunities. And, and you miss whole perspectives. And, and I like to say I used to and I personally used to be somebody who always needed to know what the right answer was. And just as I've gotten older and a little bit more flexible, you know, I like to say with my teams, embrace being wrong because that's not really a thing. It just means somebody has an idea that's different from yours. So I lead a variety of uh, nonprofit organizations and I'm very involved in the community. And I will say to my, my boards and my teams, I love being wrong. Tell me when I'm wrong, because that means that I have a fixed way of thinking that isn't serving our organization the best way. So, you know, that's an extreme example, but if we can all sit down and say, okay, here's what I think about it, but what are your thoughts? Okay, well, I'm a person who likes to really research all of the details. And I know for me personally, I'm an action person. Like I'll, I laugh that if you get the go ahead to build a building, I'm putting the shovel in the ground before you have your plans, <laughs> right? So I relate to that. Yeah, right, I'm a doer. And so I love having people on my team who, as much as it might drive me nuts sometimes, are super detail oriented or here's how we do the rules or all of these different pieces. And rather than getting irritated, we all kind of laugh and say, okay, you're that person, I'm this person, let's all, here's what we need to do and can have some fun with it and have some humor. 
I want to talk about another thing. Lately, and on the previous few programs, I've talked a little bit about how sometimes just perceptions of things really impact how I show up in other areas. Mm -hmm. In particular, one example, there was one day, it was just fascinating to me that I thought I was going to be like 15 minutes late to getting home for uh, an event that was happening. And, and I was really kind of bummed about that. And I'm on my way home and I'm about, I'm 30 minutes away, but I think I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Now this is turning into a math problem. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but, I traffic in words, Mike. You're going to lose me here pretty soon. <laughs> But at any rate, I hit every green light and it was it was fascinating to me how I got home like five minutes early mm -hmm. and it was just a, a weird day, like one in a hundred, every single light I was hitting and I got home and it was great and I was kind of happy I had made it. Got a phone call as well with some, some news that was uh, exciting and it just seemed the, the, the mood I was in and the, the way I was now feeling mm -hmm. was so positive. The interaction I was having at this event was much different than I would have otherwise had I maybe been 15 minutes late. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just find that interesting how sometimes our own, the way we show up yeah. can impact different things. A question I want to ask to you. Yeah, sorry, I was I, going in my coaching brain. I was ready to ask, <laughs> ask you questions and follow up and all the things. Is how can we, is there a way we can control some of that and how we could kind of, the circumstance of me hitting the green lights yeah. was just pure coincidence. But it, it made me happy, and I don't mm -hmm. know why. And, you know, it's interesting to think of, well, if I had hit all the red lights and been late, might have I been different? Absolutely. How can I control that? So your question is, are there tools to manage that? Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yes, there are. And that's emotional intelligence in a nutshell. So, um, again, my legal brain, the way that I think about this is if you have the scales of justice and you have the law on one side and you have facts on the other and they work together, there's a legal adage that we laugh about. If you have the facts, argue the facts. If you don't have the facts, argue the law. If you don't have either, appeal. Right. So it's an old lawyer joke. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> but um, if you similarly, I like to think about intelligence and coaching is that if you have two sides of a scale. Right. And on one side are the facts and on the other side are emotions. So facts exist neutrally in space. I don't care whether you were at your meeting late, you know, I mean, and fr that's not even really a thing. Time is a construct. Right. So the fact is that you were driving home, that there was a time stamp on it, that there is a potentiality that you were not going to meet that time stamp. Those facts all just exist neutrally in space. All of these emotions that you were attaching to these facts are what give those facts meaning in our lives. And I can't emphasize that enough. Everything that happens to in our life is just a fact. Somebody across the street does not care what's going on in our lives. We care because we attach emotion to them. So even just starting to become aware that just because we believe something doesn't mean it's true is an incredibly powerful awareness to get. An example I use with my clients, and, and this is true, I have always been afraid to fly. But we all know flying is one of the safest modes of transportation. So the fact is flying is safe, a safe way to get around the world and it efficient and all of those things. The emotion that I attach to that is I don't feel comfortable when I'm doing it. But just because I'm afraid to fly does not mean it's a dangerous thing to do. In fact, the opposite is true. So similarly, so then I can decide, once I know the fact and I know my emotion I'm attaching to it, I can decide how I want to respond to that. So do I choose not to fly? I could do that and I would not have to feel that feeling. And that's great, that's one option. But I love to travel and I travel for work and I travel for pleasure. So I don't want to choose to do that. So then it's how do I manage these feelings that I have around 
what I know in my brain is safe, but what my body tells me, you know, danger, Will Robinson, right? Same thing with your travel to the meeting analysis. Those facts existed, but all of these different emotions, first it's negative, then the lights are green, then it's positive, can really help us start to say, wow, I am getting triggered by this. What is that about? You know, is it about I'm concerned I'm going to be judged? Is it about I have a value about being on time? Is it because being on time, when I'm on time for people, then I feel that I'm communicating to them, that I'm respecting them and their time? Is it that, who knows what that is? You know, those are just three off the top of my head. But when we have these big emotions that come up around certain things, those are, inc that's incredible evidence about what our values are and about what our triggers are. And we can, the more we can parse that and, you know, take a breath and be mindful in that moment about, wow, there's a lot coming up for me around this. Okay, this is just a thing, but all these pieces that are coming up tell me, how do I want to handle those? And is there, are there pieces of that that are helpful? Are there pieces of that that are not helpful? And how does that impact my decision making? And that seems like it takes a really long time, but it can happen in the fraction of a second. You know, it could happen in the job search where you see something and, oh, well, it says I need this and I can't, you know, I don't have that, so I'm not going to even apply for this job. There is all kinds of emotion coming up around worth, ability, insecurity, all of those pieces, right? If we take a step back and say, okay, it says I need this. Well, I have 85% of what they need, but maybe I don't have this 15%, but I think this job looks really terrific and maybe I can learn it or maybe I can articulate it then it's about how do I manage these feelings around it. So yes, there is a way you can control it and it is around emotional intelligence and these pieces and tools that can help create awareness. And I do that all day long, that's my job with my clients. We're talking today with our feature interview. This is Banks Pecked. You can get more information from Banks. You can go online and go to bankscoaching.com. That's bankscoaching.com to connect with our fabulous feature interview today, which is Banks Pack. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Mike. Nonprofit Spotlight. Each week we highlight a local nonprofit doing great work in our community. Today's Nonprofit Spotlight is brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Well, Banks, I know you're involved in a lot of community and nonprofits locally. Can you share with us some nonprofits that are on your mind today? Yes. Oh, several. I'm so, I love leadership. I love our community. So Women's Economic Ventures is one that has been doing a lot of great work in our community lately. I'm on the board of directors there, and we've been working hard to empower women and small businesses in our community to really build up Ventura County from our from our inside out, it really is such meaningful work. And the Ventura Land Trust is another one that's been doing a lot of great work environmentally in terms of preserving and providing access to incredible natural resources in our community. Those are two wonderful events. I know there's a uh, music. You're also involved in music and education. Yes, one of one advocacy area that is near and dear to my heart is heart is arts education in our community, both at the junior high, well, elementary ideally, junior high and high school level. And I would just like to give a shout out to all of our middle school music teachers and high school music teachers because. Our community is doing incredible, incredible work, and I know that both the Cabrillo and the Ventura High School music groups recently went to festivals and scored at the highest levels nationally and are just 
we can be so proud of our teachers and young people and that the value of music education goes so far beyond learning an instrument in terms of character development and leadership and discipline and grit and all of the things that we want to see in our leaders of tomorrow. And a big thank you to Boyd & Associates, the largest family-owned security company in Southern California, established in 1967. For your home and business security needs, please visit boydsecurity.com or call 805-650-3267. Well, that does it for our show today. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. And don't forget, you can find The Big Idea on podcast. Go to iTunes or Google Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. We'd love that. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Listening.